0: Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All morning long, from the moment that I came on the grounds of Christ Fellowship Church, I could sense the presence of the Lord in prayer this morning, as well as last night, was sweet, subtle, deep, pure, and I believe the Lord has a word for us today. He has spoken to us through tongues and interpretation of tongues, prophetic utterances already this morning. We must not treat those lightly or allow us to not take time to digest what the Lord interrupts our services and speaks to us. There's a weight to what we have heard this morning, a heaviness, an urgency, a a pressure that comes with that. Do you hear what I'm saying? I feel strongly that the Lord is at the point of being fed up. He is a patient God, but there comes a time when God says enough is enough. And I think that the Lord is ready to do some things on the earth with people. And all he's waiting on is the people to get in alignment with what he's wanting to do. I want you to go in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 6. And Karen, as we turn there, would you hand me that stack of papers right there? Luke chapter 6 this morning. And I also want you to turn... To Mark chapter 16. Tonight is week 243 of the North Georgia Revival. Can somebody give him glory right now? Pastor Robbie Mathis will be here from Freedom Tabernacle. Y'all know every time that he preaches, he just becomes a wet ball of mess. There's no telling when he's going to move into the water, when he's going to dive into the water, when he's going to climb chairs, walk across the top of the chairs. Um, But all I know, he's bringing kingdom tonight. When he shows up, he's bringing kingdom tonight. Can somebody put your hands together and say, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. So I cannot wait uh, for that to happen tonight. I just returned from uh, two meetings uh, this week, Monday and Tuesday, and then last um, this past Friday and Thursday up in Veneta, Oklahoma, where we saw the kingdom of God manifest through water. Unusual, extraordinary, notable miracles have taken place. Not only that, but a lot of people are getting saved. A lot of people are getting saved. Thank you, Lord. Here's a picture from a couple of weeks ago that uh, I just want you to know that what you pray for is, is important that when we travel, any of our staff and team members go out, whether on the mission field or here in the States, that they are uh, covered in prayer because the kingdom of God is ready to be poured out upon the earth. Come on, somebody give God glory one more time. I want to talk to you today in an abbreviated fashion on the main ingredient to spiritual success and kingdom power. The main ingredient to spiritual success and kingdom power. Not the only ingredient, but a significant ingredient. I want you to look at Luke chapter 6 because I find this significant that Jesus was getting ready to begin his ministry. Uh, he had already started his ministry, but now he's getting ready to take it to the next dimension, so he's choosing a group of fellows and uh, people to follow with him. It says in verse 12 of Luke chapter 6, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and the Bible says, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Jesus had a following but it came the time for him to choose 12 significant individuals to walk with him. That would be in his inner circle. Jesus had three circles. Literally he had four. The masses the 12, Peter, James, and John, and then John. The masses, the 12, the three, and then the one. And he knew if he was going to accomplish anything significant that he had to continue to minister to the masses, but he had an inner group of the 12 and then he had an inner inner group and then he had the one that he loved the most john jesus could have chose these 12 and gave them an aha moment and immediately baptized them with Holy Spirit and fire. And he could have said, now you're ready. Enough has been done. He could have baptized them with fire at that moment and say to them, go get it done. And he could simply walk away, but he did not. He chose these 12 individuals And he spent three and a half years of investing into them, pouring his life into them, training them, modeling and showing and demonstrating what it looks like to be a kingdom man. I want you to think with me for a moment about your journey with Christ because the journey matters. Often in the body, we look for an aha moment that forever changes us, but gives us everything that we will ever need in order to accomplish everything he asks of us. I want you to know that you cannot find that pattern In Scripture there's always a beginning place that marks you shocks you rattles you and starts you but it's not necessarily that moment alone that prepares you for your future it is the towing of the line the starting place the gun that fires and now we're off to the race But I can stand in front of you and I think all of you would testify, as remarkable as our salvation experiences were and the baptism of the Holy Ghost as it was in our life, it's only an event, beautiful event, life-changing event, but I did not get everything I needed at that event for my future. Because there were some things that I could not handle then that I needed to discover somewhere down the road or something that God needed to reveal to me in the midst of the journey that if he had given it to me then, it would have gotten lost in the total package of the wildness of that moment. So we're gonna to have to be really careful that when we have a miraculous moment salvation baptism holy spirit a miracle that that is just the beginning of something that needs to be stewarded in order for the purpose of that event to come to the realization in the expected end that God wants it to accomplish so somewhere between here and there there's a lot of stuff that happens And because we're impatient people, we keep running to have another event. Hoping that this event here will get me enough strength to get to another time of where I have another event. And maybe without having to do anything, I get everything that I need for the next part of that journey. And so we live from event to event. And what ends up happening is... What happens way down here is just simply a repeat of what happened down here. And we measure the effectiveness of what happened here based upon how I feel right here. And between this and that, we've neglected perhaps to embrace the journey of small checkpoints and interventions and disruptions and problems and struggles and strife of teaching moments, the journey. Embrace the journey. Put your arms around it and say, God, I may not like it, may not understand it. I'm I'm an event person. I just want to go from glory to another glory, to another glory, to another glory. And I love those moments. They're needed. But they become more significant when something between the two of them. Because the event is not just for survival. I just got to have another touch to make it through. So it's an event to an event to an event to an event and intertwined as a journey up the mountain. Not just simply a journey to the finish line. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want you to write a few things down. I want to talk about consistency today. I want to talk about consistency today. I don't hear a lot about this in the body of Christ, but I think the Lord wants me to mention this because where we're going demands consistency not an event i want you to write this down what i consistently determines what i do consistently determines what i value I can look at your life for about 30 minutes and ask you a series of questions, and I can quickly come to the conclusion of what you hold as valuable in your life. What I do consistently determines what I value. I want you to just analyze your heart right now. What are the things that you do consistently that come, whether it's rain, sleet, snow, hell, or high water? You're going to do those things. That reveals to me what you value. What I do consistently reveals what I value. Now, my job as your pastor is to rearrange your values so that you become a kingdom woman and a kingdom man. Talk to me in this place. Just another way of putting this, show me the areas of your life where you are consistent, and I will show you what you value. The word consistent literally means regular, steady, continuous, persistent, unchanging practice. I've also discovered this. Write this down that what I do consistently, my consistency determines my capacity. You see, what I do determines a lot of things. But what I do consistency, consistently determines my capacity. Lord, help me here. if I'm consistent at an item or an, uh, 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 an area of my life, it enlarges my capacity in that, li- in that area of my life. Example, anybody in this house ever worked out? I mean, you got excited at the first of the year and you went to the gym. You got roped in to signing up for that monthly deal. And you worked really hard like the first day And you went back the second day, and somewhere between the first day, the second day, and the third day, your body begins to respond to you like, I'm not really for this at all. (laughs) You ache and have pains in areas of your body that you thought were already dead. I mean, you thought were already gone to the glory land. I mean, you didn't even know that they had, had the neurons firing and nerves and things at that area, but you do something you've not done in a while and you press into that area of your body, it lets you know, I'm just been sleeping. I'm still here. Don't do this again. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? But if I stay at it, my body realizes that I'm not going anywhere and I'm going to bring it under my will. All right, now watch this. And the more I do it, I enlarge my capacity for more and better activities. I'm gonna tell you the honest truth. I couldn't hike up Mount Everest today. But give me about six weeks, or six months, or six years. As a goal, if I will consistently walk up the Amicalola Falls, that trail and those steps, the first couple of times I'll have to stop about a dozen times to catch my breath. But the next day that I go, I'm working out the soreness. The next day that I go, or two days later, after I let my body rest a little bit, I begin to build more capacity in my lungs so that breath and oxygen can come into my being to supply what is needed in my muscles. While I'm doing that, I'm becoming leaner, and my muscles are getting larger i am conditioning them for greater capacity so if i did that consistently there would be times that now i could walk up yona mountain and then if i can do that i can go to alabama to mount chehal state park and climb the highest mountain in alabama then If I really get brave, I could go to the great smoky mountains, and you understand what I'm saying, and conquer one mountain after another because my consistency determines my capacity. Now, in every area of life, this is true. My consistency in how I take care of my physical body determines my capacity. In the area of finance, hmm, My consistency determines my capacity. I love to spend. And I don't like to save. Y'all say blessing. But I learned something a long time ago. That if I will start young and be consistent that as I get older, I have an enormous capacity. If I save a little when I'm 25, and I do that consistently, by the time I'm 45, I have a whole lot of money. Do you hear what I'm saying? But because we want when we're 25, the out-to-eats, the nicer vehicle, the new home, the new furniture, the new big screen television, the new entertainment stuff, the the new gadgets, the new phone, the new stuff, what we end up doing, watch this, we take what we have and we spend it on an event. And never learn the consistency of saving. So then when something else new comes, I take what I should have been setting aside and say I want another event. And so now it's a new truck, new furniture, a new A, B, and C, And now you're 30 years down the road and you think, where did all my money go? And there's a trail of discarded items behind you that you sold and gave away and replaced. And then we get to the end and we go, what happened? Does this make sense to anyone? My consistency. See, we have this, I want it now, and I want to spend it all now. I need this now. I deserve this now. I remember years ago when Karen and I were young parents, our boys were um, three and five years old. I was driving a very um, nice car, and, um, and I sat up one day, and it dawned on me, that when my children get to be 18, they're not even going to remember the car that I drove. They're going to use the bathroom in it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Come on, talk to me. They're going to they're going vomit in it anyway. You know what They just... <laughs> y'all don't act. They're not going to remember the car. But they will remember, do I have enough money to go to college? So I drove around in this luxury vehicle when I'm 30 years old, 33 years old. Nice. Probably one of the nicest cars on the road. And was paying for it with no problem. That's not the issue. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't that there was a lack, but I had to decide what are going to be my priorities. Driving around in a nice car or having one day the ability to look at my boys and say, go to college. We're not going to get a student loan. We're not going to have to get a student loan. So I took that payment, and I said, who can I go to to make this money become maximized? And I opened an account for Ethan, and I opened an account for Ty, and I sold my car, and I went and bought this tiny, little, you felt every bump in the road. I used to glide, almost fly. Now it's like I'm in one of those bumper cars at the city fair. You know what I'm saying? This is like, dear Lord. And it was somewhat, sometimes embarrassing. But every month, when I wrote several hundred dollars to his account and several hundred dollars to Ethan's account or Ty's account, I knew that one day, when they needed the money, it would be there. Yeah, and I didn't have to beg the Lord to come through for me, because he spoke to me, I am giving you a means now, so if you'll do this, I will take care of this here. We don't need to live from emergency to emergency if we do the small things along the way. Does this make sense to anybody? I, I, and this is not a talk about money, but I'm just telling you, this, this is something that we can all relate to. I remember in, in college, Karen and I got married at the age of 19. <clears throat> and I'm going to Sanford University, which is a private university, very expensive university. It was a Baptist university in Birmingham called Sanford. And we were as broke, weren't we, Karen? I mean, we were poor. You remember those days? Couldn't even afford furniture. My parents had to give us our furniture, we had our own beds. She had a 1972 Gremlin. And y'all know, man, when you get married, and I had a nice car at that point, I got demoted in a hurry. But But I remember this truth. I remember this. I said, I hate debt. I just, hate, I, I just hate debt in all areas. Now, debt sometimes is unavoidable in our lives, so don't think, dear God, I'm in debt, D- the devil's all over me. I'm not saying that. I just, hate, I just knew that when I graduated from this private university that I did not want to have a $30,000 student loan. So I went into the admin office, and I said, tell me what I got to do that every semester that I go to that when I take my final exam, you receive your last payment for that semester. They looked at me and says, okay, here's what it would be, here's what it is per semester. I said, now set me up on payments. So while others were going to the beach on vacation, or others were going out to eat, are buying their first home in their early to mid-twenties. We're riding around a 1972 Gremlin. Y'all know that. When I graduated Sanford University, before I took my diploma, my entire education was paid for all of it when i went to to seminary in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars we did the same thing so i got out of school owing no man anything still broke still poor go into salvation army to buy my suits a dollar 25 suit and a 25 cent tie for a buck 50 i was set for sunday church It was a treat to go to Taco Bueno to get a three dollar and forty eight cent taco salad. We did that on Friday nights. But I learned early on that my consistency will determine my capacity. You see, people may want to get upset of where we are today, and we're not wealthy but I could do anything and anything and buy anything I wanted to buy, not because this church pays me an enormous amount. It's simply because over 40 years of being consistent in certain areas of our life. We don't do anything nutty. We don't do anything crazy because I still have goals. I'm 58. I want to be at a certain level in 10 years from now. Financially, so I make decisions at 58 that require discipline. Do you hear what I'm saying? Am I, am I, am I going, am I going too, too slow on this? Okay. Consistency is the point. Some of you could retire a millionaire if you just canceled your dish subscription. You're paying $120 for a few hours of entertainment every week. You let a 25-year-old put $125 a month consistently in an account at 6 to 8% interest for 40 years, it will equal to well over a million dollars. The subscription list that we have, Netflix, things of that nature, that we're just giving out a little bit of time. Can you imagine just being consistent? You know what? This week I'm putting that $200 of all my subscriptions into this account, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to pull it out. I'm not going to worry if the market's down or the market's up. But over the period of 40 years that this money is going to allow me to live in comfort when I get to be 65. Can somebody say amen right there? Okay, I'm, I'm through talking about that. This is not your Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. Write this down. The more consistency, it enlarges your capacity. You get to determine how much health you have. by what you consistently do. You and I get to determine how much peace we have by what we expose ourselves to. You and I get to determine how much freedom we have by what we consistently value. Talk to me now. Now, whatever you are consistent at, you may not like, but what you're consistent at is a means to what you value. And sometimes your flesh hates the means, but you love the result. As I said earlier, I hate the gym, but I like the result. I hate saving, but I like the result. I hate fasting, but I like the result. My flesh doesn't want to pray, but I like the result. Sometimes God's not going to make it easy. That's why we have an event, an event, an event, an event, an event, an event, because we want to jump over the process. And because we want to jump over the process, we never learn what we need to learn, and so we just live from one emotional experience to another emotional experience. Your flesh will hate anything that produces goodness because our flesh, in, 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 in natural, is just lazy. Whoa. And we have to discipline our flesh. Now let me just hit this head on. Desiring something is not something that brings the results you desire. Desire is not an action. desire is a wish nothing wrong with desires it begins with the desire but a desire is nothing more than a want I want to be healthy I want to be wealthy I want to be spiritual I want to pray I want to be used of God in a mighty way all of those things are desires, but even God says, I will give you the desires of your what? If what? You delight in me. Delights. The action. It's visible. It's doing. It's action. Talk to me. Desire produces nothing. So if I do nothing, the result is nothing. We must stop asking God to do something for us that he requires for us to do. To give us a return on which we make little to no investment other than intellectual assents. Well, I want to be used of the Lord. Well, what training are you going through? I want to know how to lay hands on the sick. Well, who's are you? I want, I want to walk in kingdom power and miracle. Well, what are you giving yourself to? Well, I'm in church services. Church services are beautiful. That's a part of the process. But who's putting their hands on you? Who's speaking into your world? Who's calling into question decisions that you're making? Who's disciplining you? Who's, who's speaking value into you? Who's challenging you? Who's releasing you? Who's, who's modeling in front of you? Who's monitoring what you're doing and what you're saying and how you're living? Well, I don't know if I want. Well, I just want the Lord to use me. You understand Jesus spent three and a half years with his fingers on top of the 12. Don't say that. Don't do that. That's inappropriate. You're going to leave me too? Quit whining. I mean, y'all think Jesus didn't have conversations like that with the 12. He had sometimes very little patience with them. Some of you don't believe me. He says, how long am I going to have to be with you? many times I got to tell you this for you to get it? But see, that was a part of the grooming and the molding that our Western culture doesn't like. They want us to tell them everything that we, that they want to hear and not to do anything that disrupts and causes them to have a little bit of an ouch moment. So. On, an, a moment of when Jesus says, Boys, listen, you failed miserably. This man brought his son to you. Well, I don't know, Jesus. Why, why couldn't we cast? That's what they asked. Why couldn't we cast them? And then Jesus didn't say, Because you know what? You didn't, you didn't let me lay my hands on you enough. No, he he said, this type only comes out by being disciplined. And y'all are not disciplined, he says. Comes out through prayer. In fact, no, you're gorging yourself. You're riding my coattails. He says, there's coming a time I'm going to leave you. So we're going to have a heart-to-heart talk. It's time that you step up and go to the next place. Because this type is only coming out through prayer and fasting. Stop eating so much. Every time I turn around, Peter, you have an apple in your hand. Judas, you've got a burrito. I mean, you know what I'm saying, and, and you know, and, and what you know, you, you went to the market, and you, and and there you are, and then, and 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 there you are, Thomas. You 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 you've got you've got a hamburger. What's going? Well, y'all stop eating this. Type. If you're going to walk in kingdom power, it's going to take a. It's, it's more than a hope. So it's more than a desire. It is literally a discipline that what you give yourself consistently to, you enlarge your capacity to operate in that dimension. We want to free be from the Lord. You're riding the grace surfboard everywhere you go. Well, he'll just make up for my insufficiency or my, in- my my insufficiencies. Not true. He takes what you give him and what you give yourself to. And then he adds on top of that. But if you give him nothing, he has nothing to work with. All right. Can everybody stand to your feet? I'm done. Thank you, Lord. i close with this last statement. What you don't value, you won't be consistent at. What you don't value, hear what I'm about to say. What you don't value you will not be consistent. Do you hear me? If you don't value your future, you'll not be consistent at saving for your future. If you're a moment to moment person, you'll live from moment to moment and then when you get to the point of where you should have been planting seeds and sowing, you'll have nothing. Then you'll be at the end of your life living from event to event to event to event. And as I speak over your life in the coffin and your family's around, it'll be wonderful and it'll be beautiful. And we'll talk about all the events in your life the moment you were baptized, the moment that you rededicated, the moment. But I don't wanna talk about those moments. I wanna mention it, but then I wanna talk about the demonstrations, the growth, the maturity, the development, transformation, the hands that God used your hands to change the world. Everyone in this room, segue, embrace yourself. Touch somebody and say, brace yourself. Values, I believe, what God's doing in these waters. Would you say that? It's unmistakable. It is undeniable. It is um, awe-inspiring. It is frightful in a way to know that you're in the water and you baptize someone and God steps in between you and that person. so finite that he could squeeze in that moment between your hand and their forehead and and a deaf ear open with three seconds in that water kingdom comes you don't see it you don't feel it but the person gets up and goes Every one of us values that, I believe. When someone's molecular structure is changed in the water, the DNA of a part of their body that wasn't there comes into existence. And you never felt it, saw it, but God stepped in. And you were two inches from him. He is that powerful that he can do surgery in a person's body without one single cut, without bumping into you, and with precision. A young girl with no peripheral vision for 19 years, in one moment, operate behind her eyes where she told me on Friday is as if I had a migraine while I was under the water and the pressure on my head was intense. But when I came up out of that water, peripheral vision. That's happening here. Now listen to, this is a segue, very difficult one. If we valued that and that, then my behavior toward it, it would be consistent. Don't, and you haven't, don't say, well, I just love what God's doing here at the North Georgia, I just love my church. Then every Sunday night, you're snuggled up in your little blanket and popcorn and, and the rest of us are at war. That's not, that's, that's mental, that's verbal. So as the revival continues, your capacity to embrace it dwindles. Because what you value, you enlarge your capacity to. I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking out here. We want, we want miracles, but our prayer time. I know prayer is important. I desire to pray, Hmm. but I'm just too busy. Show me what you're consistent at and I'll show you what you value. A lack of being in corporate prayer sends the message, I don't value it. Now see, I, y'all were happy with me a moment ago when I was talking about wealth, but now all of a sudden we, we, we tightened up right here because now, well, I can pray at home. Do you? Are you folding laundry? Are you cooking? Answering your phone? Checking your emails? Being interrupted by your children? Show me what you're consistent at and I'll show you your values. What you value? The most important thing our church does, Pastor Jeremy, is not preach. It's not baptize. It's not the revival. The most important thing we do as a church is pray. So. That's just that's what we do. That's the most important thing is what we do is pray. much rather you come to prayer than any other meeting we have. Tomorrow night at 6 we pray. Tonight at 5 we pray. I value the revival. The revival's here not because of we baptize. The revival's here because we pray. I want to be consistent to that. You can always find things to replace it. And your heart's good. You love the Lord. You're going to heaven. But you're in a moment. that I told a church this Thursday and Friday, I said, said, church, listen, I don't know how history's going to respond to this. I don't know if history will ever remember this. I don't know. It's not important to me. I don't know if somebody's going to write this down in a book 50 years from now. There was this move of God that happened in North Georgia called the North Georgia Revival where over 100,000 people were immersed and baptized. But all I do know is this, and you'll see the testimony tonight as she's going to be in this building, a woman who had a lung disease, and you will watch with your own eyes the moment the presence of God comes upon her. You'll hear a testimony of the moment that a girl gets in the water and her legs are an inch and a half shorter than the other and it grows in the water. All I know is that structures and DNAs and people's genealogy has been changed. That's the history I'm interested in. Not if we're mentioned in a book. But I know somebody's genes, hear me, that were somewhat dysfunctional that would be passed down to a child. Migraine, to migraine, to migraine. Color blindness, which there is something missing in your eyes that is not there that will not allow you to see color in that pool or that pool. Our elder brother, Rudy, where are you, Rudy? Baptizing, she comes up out of the water and says to me, says to you, Please tell me that your eyes are blue. Please tell me your eyes are blue. The first time in her life she's able to see color. That changes her structure to pass down. What you value, you give yourself to. Pastor Marty, we don't value the miracles. That's not what we're after. We're after him. And when he comes, that's just what he does. So we give ourselves to him. So lift your hands, church. Father, I want to be more consistent. I don't want to be disrupted. I want to be more disciplined and value the things that you value, the things that I can sow into that bring an eternal reward that affect people and kingdoms. god we need you in this house at this season week 243 going on five years oh lord starting our sixth year in just a few months may we not pull back but continue to value what you value enlarge our capacity oh god to host you. And everybody in the house said amen. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm blessing you. You're gone at 1130. Now I'm going to ask for these minutes back later. Okay. At another time, I'm giving you like 27 minutes to beat the Methodist. To, to, <laughs> to, to, to wherever you're going to go today. All right. I love you guys. Prayer tonight at 5 o'clock. Be here. Value this. Listen, look at me. Look at me. Value this, value it, adjust your schedule this afternoon to value this, all right, I love you, you're the best in the world, can you give the Lord one more hand clap, love you guys, I'll see you later, bless you guys.